You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. A picture is worth a thousand words. You've heard that statement before. And in this sermon series on our vision as a church, we've begun by talking about abiding in Christ. In fact, last week we talked about the promises of abiding in Christ. And this morning I want to talk about the privilege of abiding in Christ. And to help us to understand the wonderful privilege that is ours to draw close to Jesus, I want to pull from some different passages of Scripture, some some pictures, some word pictures, to inspire us, to challenge us, to encourage us, to inform us as to what it means to abide in Christ. And we're going to begin with the first word picture in Luke chapter 10. So find your place there, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As I said, the sermon's going to be a little bit different this morning. I usually jump into one passage and and stay in that passage, but this morning we're going to look at different places. I'm going to begin with Luke chapter 10, verse 38. When you found your place, I'm going to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of the living word of God. Truth with no mixture of error. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I pray that by your Spirit you would use these word pictures to capture our hearts. That we would leave today renewed, challenged, encouraged, inspired. Have your way through your word in our lives. God, we counted a great privilege to gather as a faith family. And fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. To rejoice in all that is ours. 
in Christ alone. So Lord, as we continue to worship, we ask you, yea, we expect you today to move with power. We'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We began last week a six-week sermon series on our vision as a church. And our vision as a church, who we are, where we are headed, is encapsulated in the statement, Abiding in Christ, Advancing the Gospel. So my plan is to preach three sermons on abiding in Christ and then three sermons on advancing the gospel. And I told you last week that my, my prayer for this series is not that this will just be another vision series that you hear a pastor preach. I said last week, insofar as this vision is biblical and God-glorifying with the potential to impact the world, I'm asking you to give your life to pursuing this vision. I'm asking you to commit that in the, the remainder of your days, you will make it your first priority to abide in Christ and advance the gospel. And I'm praying God would capture our hearts in that way. But we're focusing this morning, again, on abiding in Christ. I told you last week that to abide in Christ means to enter into a relationship with Jesus. It means you need to be saved, first of all. You need to know Him personally. And then to pursue close fellowship with Jesus. After you become a follower of Christ, you draw near to Christ. You walk with Christ on a daily basis. You pursue a deepening fellowship and intimacy with Him. So last week, again, we looked at the promises of abiding in Christ. We talked about things like fruitful living, answered prayers, an experience of God's love, the fullness of joy. Those are promises that are ours when we cling to Christ, when we abide in Christ. But this morning, again, I want to help you think about the, the privilege of abiding in Christ. What a great privilege it is to be able to draw near to Jesus. And so what I've done this morning, I've given you four helpful biblical word pictures to motivate and encourage. And the last word picture will lead us straight into our time of observing the ordinances for the Lord's Supper. But here's picture number one. And we just read the passage in Luke chapter 10. Abiding. What, is, what does it mean to abide in Christ? Abiding is sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's what it is. It's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what a, a remarkable priority that you and I get to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now this passage is interesting. You have two sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha is a worker bee. She's busy in the house. She's entertaining guests. She's entertaining uh, Jesus as her guest. And she's trying to get everything ready and everything arranged. And, and, and while she's busy working in the house, she looks over and there's her sister, Mary. And Mary's just sitting there. And in Martha's mind, she's doing nothing. So she goes to Jesus uh, and if, if you have more than one child, you understand this story really well. She goes to Jesus to tell on 
her sister and says, Jesus, won't you tell her to get to work? I need some help setting the table. I need some, some help finishing the meal. Tell her to get to work. And Jesus responds in a very surprising manner. He says there in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You're, you're, you're busy. You're running from place to place. You're trying to get things accomplished. But one thing is necessary. There, there is something, Martha, more important, more preeminent than your busyness. And oh, what a word for 2022 Christians. Amen? There's something more important. And Mary is doing it. Look what he says. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Leave her alone, Martha. She is sitting at my feet. And that is the most important thing. And what she is gaining by sitting at my feet, nothing and no one can take from her. It will enrich her life. It will change her life. It will transform her life. She's sitting at my feet. So in a gentle way, he's rebuking Martha for busyness that crowds out Jesus. And he's holding up Mary as an example of what it means to, to pursue close fellowship. What it means to abide in Christ. Abiding is sitting at the feet of Jesus. This speaks of consecrated time with Jesus. Let me just encourage you. If you want to be serious about this idea of abiding in Christ, let me encourage you. Find a time, find a place that you can get alone with Jesus every day. Find a time, find a place, step away from the business. Perhaps that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6 when he was teaching us how to pray, he says, when you pray, go into the inner room, and when you go into the inner room, shut the door behind you. Shut the door on busyness. Shut the door on text messages. Shut the door on scrolling through your social media feed. Get alone with me. Be still and be at my feet because when you are at my feet, what you will gain cannot be taken from you. Abiding is sitting at the feet of Jesus. We, we, we've called this consecrated time with the Lord different things. Uh, growing up, for me, it was, it was called the quiet time. Right? Quiet time. You, you take a few moments and you have some time in the Bible and through prayer. You may have a guide to help you there. And it's your, it's your, it's your quiet time, which I still say sometimes because it was ingrained in me. But that's not my, my favorite description of, of that time. Sometimes it's called your devotional life. You know, you, 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 you spend some time, you, you, you take some time away from the normal routine of life and you have a devotion in fact, I remember one time I was at a Christian bookstore and there were some CDs at the register. And uh, this is a ways back, as, I can, as you can tell. And, and the CDs were called Drive Time Devotions. So while you're driving, hey, it fit your devotion into your busyness, right? But I think a, a far better way to think about consecrated time alone with Jesus, better than quiet time or better than devotional life or whatever it may be, 
a good way to think about it is, hey, I get to go sit at his feet. I get to read the Bible and have the Lord speak into my life with power and with grace. And as that happens, as I sit there as a learner, consecrated to Him, devoted to Him, totally focused upon Him, laying aside the busyness and the cares of life, they'll, they'll wait, they'll be there when you get done. But laying aside those things and just sitting at His feet, to me that time takes on a, a deeper import and poignancy for me. So when you think about abiding in Christ, I want you to think about sitting at the feet of Jesus. And let me ask you a question as your pastor, and I ask you this because I love you. When's the last time you stepped away from distractions, you stepped away from business, and you just sat at the feet of Jesus? There's a second word picture I want you to see. It's found over in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, the last book in the Bible. And here's the word picture. Abiding is opening the door to deeper fellowship. Abiding is opening the door to deeper fellowship. Turn to the last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 3. In chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation... The Lord is, is giving the Apostle John some messages from Jesus to his churches. And there are seven churches that are addressed that existed in first century Asia Minor. And in our text I'm, we're about to read, he's addressing the church in Laodicea. And, and look what it says there in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. This verse may even sound familiar to you, or you've heard it before in some context, but listen to what Jesus says here. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now again, growing up, I heard this verse a lot. And it was always in an evangelistic context. In other words, if, if you are not saved, then Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. You need to open the door and, and ask Jesus to come in. Now that is true. If you're not saved, I believe Jesus died for your sins and he wants you to be saved. And I believe that Jesus is pursuing you. And so if you sense the, the convicting work of the Spirit in your life and, and God is showing you your need to be saved, open up your heart and say, Jesus, come in and save me. Trust Him. Believe in Him. He's the only way to be forgiven. Amen? So that idea is absolutely accurate, but this verse is not specifically talking about a lost person inviting Jesus into their life to save them. He's addressing the church in Laodicea. And if you remember... Jesus describes the church in Laodicea as lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. And Jesus says this lukewarmness sickens me. I, I want to just, just spew it out of my mouth. And so Revelation 3.20 is an invitation, listen, for lukewarm Christians... To open up the door and say, Jesus, I want to draw close to you. 
I'm tired of living the lukewarm, apathetic, stagnant, spiritually neutral Christian life. I want more of you. I want to be closer to you. And so I'm, I'm opening the door of my heart and saying, Jesus, I long for fellowship with you. Notice one of the, the pictures he uses for fellowship there. He says there in verse 20, I will come into him and, and eat with him. You know that when you have a meal with someone, there's a special intimacy around the table, isn't there? And Jesus is talking about that kind of closeness. That, that you're there talking, conversing, one-on-one, eyeball-to-eyeball. And Jesus says, if you will open the door, if you will say, I am tired of lukewarmness, I will come in and you will experience what it means to abide in me. See, for some of you this morning, to abide in Christ means you come to a place in your spiritual journey where you say, I, I, just, I want more of Jesus. I'm tired of going through the motions. I want more of Him. He's good and He's gracious and He's glorious. I want more of Him. I'm going to open the door of my life, open the door of my heart and say, Jesus, come closer. Abiding is opening the door to deeper Fellowship. There's a third word picture I want you to see. It's found in Luke chapter 24. You can turn there with me. Luke chapter 24. And I really like this one. Abiding is walking with Jesus. Abiding is walking with Jesus. Luke chapter 24. To kind of set up the verse I'm going to point you to. After Jesus' death on the cross, and after his resurrection, two of his followers are walking from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus, about a seven-mile journey. And they'd heard some things about Jesus being resurrected, but they don't really understand it all. And they're still, they're still despondent over his crucifixion, over his death, and, and their world is in turmoil. Things have been turned upside down. So these two disciples are, are walking to Emmaus and they're, they're downcast and they're trying to figure it all out. And Jesus, after his resurrection, in his new glorified body, comes and starts walking beside them. But his identity is hidden. We don't know exactly how it's hidden, but he doesn't allow them to know exactly who it is walking beside them. So here you have these two perplexed, downtrodden disciples walking with Jesus and they don't even know it's Jesus. And Jesus begins to ask some questions about what they're thinking and, and they explain why they are downcast. And, and the Bible says, I love this verse, the Bible says that Jesus wants them to get it. He wants them to understand the big picture. So Jesus takes the Old Testament and begins to walk through the Old Testament, showing them how all the Old Testament points to him. It says he taught them from the law and the prophets the things concerning himself. And he's showing them how the events of the day line up with the, the prophecies, the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. I would have loved to have been on that road, wouldn't you? To hear Jesus teach from the Old Testament, showing how it's all about him. But Jesus is walking along with the uh, two disciples, and he's teaching them from the Word. And then they get to their destination. It says they drew near to the village, in verse 28, to which they were going. 
And it says he was at the table with them. He took bread and he blessed it. And there was something about him breaking bread and blessing it that got their attention. It looked familiar to them. And it says there that their eyes were open and they recognized it was Jesus. This one who's been walking for miles with us on the road, it's Jesus. And it says there in verse 31, he vanished from their sight. So Jesus is no longer there with them. But the two disciples begin to reflect upon that walk on the road to Emmaus. They begin to think about what that was like. And I want you to look what it says in Luke 24, verse 32. Luke 24, verse 32. The Bible says, They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. The disciples rejoice in that while they were walking with Jesus, their hearts were on fire. Their hearts burned within them. They understood the power of proximity to Jesus. They understood the power of journeying with Jesus. They understood the power of of walking with Jesus. And this word picture of walking with Jesus that speaks of abiding, it speaks of ongoing conversation with Him. That's what this word picture means. So I believe that to abide in Christ, we need to have consecrated time with the Lord. Where we go into the inner room and shut the door behind us and sit at his feet. Amen? But we also need to realize that Jesus wants to walk with us all throughout the day as we are going. So we need to learn how to have an ongoing conversation with Christ throughout your day. Paul says it like this in 1 Thessalonians. Paul says... Pray without ceasing, or literally pray continually. So not just consecrated time with the Lord, but understanding that as you go throughout the day, you're walking with Jesus, you're abiding with Jesus. My wife, I'll brag on her, she's working in the nursery this morning, but my wife is great at this. She just prays throughout the day. She prays from from conversation to conversation and from task to task. She's, she's constantly just talking to Jesus. Sometimes I'm guilty of having maybe time alone with, with the Lord, and then I get so busy, I, it, 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 it's a while before I talk to Jesus again. And we need to think about abiding as walking with Him. Charles Spurgeon, the great English pre- preacher, used to say, that he, he said, I never pray... For more than five minutes at a time, but I never go more than five minutes without praying. Because here's the deal. If you will take this word picture and apply it to your life, and you'll seek to abide in Christ by walking with Him throughout the day, breathing a prayer here, breathing a prayer there, thanking Him for... uh, 
some blessing in your life, requesting some help in a difficult situation, asking for wisdom when you need to make a decision. I mean, just talking throughout the day, walking with Him, meditating on His Word. If you will do that, listen, your heart will begin to burn for Jesus. You'll be on fire for Jesus. And isn't that the goal? And so abiding is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Abiding is opening the door to deeper fellowship. Abiding is walking with Jesus. But fourth and last, abiding is going behind the veil. I don't want you leaving today without a greater apprehension of what a privilege it is that you get to spend time with Jesus. This speaks of our incredible, incredible privilege. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to show you a passage of scripture, then we'll transition into our Lord's Supper time. Hebrews chapter 10. If you remember in Matthew, when Jesus died on the cross, he cried out, he cried out It is finished to tell us die. It is paid in full. And the Bible says. That when he breathed his last, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. In other words, God did it. Now, just a little quick Jewish background. God gave his people, the Jews, a pattern for the central place of worship among that nation. It was called the, the temple when it was temporary, it was called a tabernacle. When it was built in a permanent structure, it was called the temple. And the temple had an, some, some inner rooms. You'd walk into the first room, it was called the, the holy place. And there were furnishings in that room. There was a table of showbread, and there was an altar of incense, and there was a lampstand that was continually kept lit. And the priest would go into that holy place every day and and make sure the furnishings were as they were supposed to be. And the different furnishings symbolized different realities about God's love and care for his people. And at the back of that holy place, there, there was this, this curtain, this veil. And behind the veil was the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was a, a box close to the size of our Lord's Supper table, about that size. Covered in gold, gold cherubim with a gold lid on top. It was on top of that ark where God would manifest his presence among his people. He would come down and manifest glory on the ark of the covenant. But only one person was allowed one time a year to go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies where the ark was, the high priest. He'd have to go with blood that was taken from a sacrificed animal. He'd sprinkle the blood to cover his own sin. 
to teach that you cannot go in God's presence without your blood being paid, without your sin being paid for by the sacrifice of another. So he'd go with, with blood for his own sins, but then he'd go with blood on behalf of the people of Israel. And he would, he would scatter that blood against the Ark of the Covenant, against the mercy seat, the lid on the top of the Ark. A symbolic way of saying, because you have sinned against a holy God, innocence must die for guilt, blood must be shed. And he went on behalf of the people of Israel into that holy of holies. All of this, all of this, all of this foreshadowed and predicted the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus who died on the cross and shed his blood so our sins could be forgiven before a holy God. Amen? But only one person, one time a year, could go into the Holy of Holies where God manifests his presence. Now keep that in mind and look in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, the writer of Hebrews says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, his his flesh was torn so the veil could be torn, so we could go into the presence of God as forgiven sinners. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, speaking of Jesus. Look in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith that our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our, our bodies washed with pure water. You know what the writer of Hebrews is saying here? Because Jesus, your great high priest, went before you and died in your place and shed his blood, and because he has, he has torn the veil into signifying now you can go into the very presence of God, because you can have access to God, then draw near. Take advantage of that privilege that you have to go into the Holy of Holies. And that's what abiding is. Abiding is going behind the veil where only one man one time a year could go. And spending time in the very presence of God. Remember the abiding process? Jesus is the vine. Our, our Father's the vine dresser. The Spirit's active in that production of fruit from the vine to the, to, to the branch. In other words... To abide means we get to be in the presence of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I just want to remind you, when you sit at the feet of Jesus, when you walk with Jesus, you are sitting at the feet, you are walking with God in human flesh. What a privilege. Now, now I want you to hear me very, very carefully. Because of the sacrificial death of Jesus on your behalf, because he was vindicated in his resurrection, the Father accepting his payment for our sin, because of the finished work of Christ, don't miss this, you can go into the presence of God any time you want. And you can stay as long as you want. If the ancient Israelites had heard this, they would have thought, no way! Only the high priest gets to do that. No, in Jesus, the veil's been torn in two. You get to do that. 
to spend time with God Himself. What an incredible privilege. I think sometimes, sometimes we don't make time for Jesus. We're a bunch of Marthas. Because we just lose sight of how amazing it is that because of Jesus, we get to go into the very presence of God. We lose sight of how great a privilege that is. We like our privileges, don't we? You join this club and get these privileges and get a parking pass at this sporting event. We like to feel like we're special, we have privileges. Listen to me. There is no greater privilege than spending time with God Himself. A privilege that Jesus purchased with His own blood. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.